Hi, I'm Paul Nogloz, President and Executive Director of Crisoni on the Delta. Crisoni on the Delta is a Memphis-based nonprofit dedicated to fully exploring the vital link between food and health. Each year, for the last four years, we have convened in person world-leading researchers, innovators, investors, entrepreneurs, and growers dedicated to hashing out collaborative solutions to the world's most pressing challenges in food and health. Hi, good evening, and it is Carter Williams, and I, I'm running the last panel tonight with Tyler Cohen. I This is a the topic tonight is about flip the switch, but I'd, I'd like to introduce Tyler first and then talk a little bit both about why we named the conference Crisonia. Uh, Tyler, you're with George Mason. You've, you're the man behind Marginal Revolution and, and conversations with Tyler. And I just wanted to, as an introduction, Ed, why did you end up at George Mason as an economist and, and why did you start Marginal Revolution and, and what is Marginal Revolution become that you did not expect? George Mason, George Mason is the school that would let me pursue my own ambitions. And my moonshot dream is to be the economist who has taught economics to more people in the world than any other. And it was a place that would reward that. So I started a blog. I started a podcast. I started an online education site. And I've done all that at George Mason. And uh, my goal really is to get all of us thinking better. And uh, so we, we've named this conference Crisonia, and it was in part uh, in one of your many books that uh, the topic of Crisonia comes up and was sort of an inspiration behind why we named this Crisonia. Can you explain where Crisonia, the concept of Robinson Crusoe fits in with, with economics? Well, Daniel Defoe in 17th century England wrote the Robinson Crusoe novel. And as you all know, it's about an individual marooned on an island who has to make economic decisions to better his lot. Crusonia plants refer to a plant that keeps on growing. I use it as a metaphor for the power of economic growth. So both the idea of individual choice, privatizing, getting our situations right or at least better, and the importance of economic growth looking forward, all of those are contained in this idea of Crusonia plant from Robinson Crusoe. And do you think that Robinson Crusoe was a good entrepreneur? Well, he survived and ultimately he flourished. He subjected the island to his will. He was able to trade with Friday. So given all the constraints he faced, I think he did a pretty amazing job. And so this, this sort of leads a little bit to the topic of flip the switch moments. And you refer to flip the switch moments in, in a, a several of your books. Uh, I think of flip the switch moments being when we move sort of from mainframes to PCs or from PCs to smartphones or move to Amazon away from local stores. Can you discuss a little bit more about your thinking around what flip the switch moments are and what they sort of mean in a, in a sort of both an economic and an economic and market sense? Well, once Crusoe was marooned on the island, he had to flip the switch and make things work in a very new way. Now that we're in the midst of a pandemic, we need to change how we do so many things. We're talking right now on a Zoom call, right? Most of my food comes from delivery. 
I've had to learn how to cook new dishes. I've had to learn new ways to exercise, new ways to be healthy. A lot of those are going to stick with me. So flipping the switch, a lot of that is permanent. A change comes suddenly. It can be a very tragic moment, in fact, as is the case right now. But that said, it pushes us into making a lot of improvements, or it's up to us if those changes, in fact, are going to be improvements. And we've seen this before with other pandemics. I mean, it's very specifically in terms of periods after pandemics. Are those times when things flourish or, or recede? Well, both. It also happens during major wars. So you have World War II. It's a problem, potential problem with meat shortages. So American factories have to figure out how to produce more meat more cheaply. They do it through canned goods. A lot of those eating habits stuck with us. Some of them good, some of them bad. So again, when you have major changes, depressions, wars, pandemics, people make so many changes right away. And uh, again, half to two thirds of those, I think in many cases, will be with us forever. There's going to be more online education. There's going to be more food delivery. I'm going to be clicking that button on Amazon, you know, to get my pickles for the rest of my life. I'm not going to, I love Whole Foods, but I'm not going to drive to Whole Foods anymore just to buy a jar of pickles. I figured that out. I was a dummy in a sense before. I'm going to buy more pickles. Well, so the the concept around Personia uh, uh, deals with uh, really sort of two specific areas. So we as investors at ISLAC are very focused on the, the food and the health arena and have had had a discussion that uh, in the United States, we spend about $1.7 trillion a year on food. We spend on the order of $2 trillion each year on on healthcare costs associated with poor nutrition. And uh, that would be cardiovascular disease and diabetes and, and elements of cancer. So uh, it is sort of odd that we, we, we feed ourselves with food that keeps us alive for a while, but helps cause diabetes. And then we spend so much more money. And, and so I often look at that as one market, one $3.7 trillion market. And uh, as, as a student of yours in terms of your books and the, your effort to educate us all to be better at economics, I, now that I see that as sort of one market, the next part is how do we, how do we tackle the problem of healthcare? And, and we sort of posited the concept that improved healthcare comes from better food. And so we have spent many years talking about new healthcare, socialized healthcare, non-socialized healthcare, government healthcare, non-government healthcare. When as an entrepreneur, and when we talk to entrepreneurs, I'm starting to think that if we teach people to eat better, if we create a market good that's better food, that we can shift people over, you know, give people an iPhone, they're going to use that more than they're going to use a PC. So to me, that would be a flip the switch moment, a moment in time where people say, if I want better healthcare, I need to take, I need to exercise better. I need to eat better. And I need to do it persistently. Is that, would that be consistent with the notion of a flip the switch moment? Absolutely. So I've asked many public health experts, how much of our health actually comes from health care in the formal sense? And I get different answers. The average answer is about 
15%. That means 85% of it comes from somewhere else. Some of that is your genes. You cannot control that right now. A lot of it is your behavior, your diet. And with the pandemic, we have seen a kind of privatization of healthcare response. Many people don't always have access to healthcare or they might be afraid to go. You realize more than before, comorbidities are, are very bad for you. It's become vivid in a way that diabetes alone had not been vivid. And people are going one of two directions. A lot of people are exercising more, eating better, looking more for themselves, learning new healthy foods. Uh, many other people are not. But what we have been seeing is many millions of Americans taking their health care into their own hands, becoming healthier through diet and exercise. And this is a trend I think for most of these people will persist. And over time, the others who are not yet copying, they will learn from that. So for me, this is a flip the switch moment that's pushing many of us actually, in spite of the tragedy, in relatively positive directions. And so if it's gonna be a durable thing and it's really gonna hang on, what other things as, as both, we've got investors on the call, we have entrepreneurs on the call, we have, uh, in a sense, the farmers or early adopter customers that are trying to figure out uh, what, what might the world look like in the future and should I be making different product choices? Should I be uh, making high protein soy that feeds impossible or should I make commodity soy that I can sell at no risk to, to, uh, to ADM or to Cargill? So for... As people start to think about the fact, are we at the point where the markets are going to shift dramatically? What what should they be listening in their immediate environment? What what should they be doing to understand whether this is going to accelerate or help accelerate it? I think people are learning more and more that healthy food can taste really good and taste better and make you feel better than unhealthy food. I'm struck by my many trips to India. Now I'm not a vegetarian, but when I go to India. I eat almost entirely vegetarian food. Why is that? It's because vegetarian food in India tastes better than most of the meat. So in the United States, I think the open doors for entrepreneurs are to do things differently, show people that healthier foods, lifestyles, diets, exercise habits are more fun, more rewarding. And the big shift over the next 10 years will be in that direction and I think people who are betting on American irresponsibility are mostly making the wrong investments. Uh, we are starting to become, again, not all of us, but the preponderance of behavior in this country starting to become more responsible. And if you look at data on obesity, that actually has flattened out the first time since it started. And I think that will begin to reverse. And when did it start flattening out? Is that more recent or is Just that? the last two years or so. So... Short-term trends can be misleading, we will see. Uh, but I very much believe obesity as a problem in the United States has peaked. It is still a significant problem. But I would not make my commercial bets on Americans keeping all of their old bad habits. And, and in terms of a shift in these markets, I, as, as we think about, as we as I as an investor and I think about markets, I normally think that markets are led with price discovery and and reduction of price over time and sort of deflationary effects through innovation. Is, is, there, is this a market that in terms of behavioral kind of economics are gonna drive it or is it gonna be driven by price or is it both? Or 
or what else should we be thinking about as as we're trying to understand the pace of this change and whether we sh- whether we should be changing our conventional businesses and and taking the bet on new innovative technologies and new innovative approaches of course price always matters but i think it will be driven by learning so you asked me about soy 30 years ago very few of my friends ate soy now you have tofu shops that will offer 20, 25 different kinds of tofu. And it's not just for Asian customers. People of all different kinds of backgrounds go to these shops. No matter what your background is, if you are an educated American, the chances are pretty high that you can have a very educated discussion with your friends about different types of soy milk, tofu dishes, what kind of tofu to buy, how hard or firm should it be, uh, that is a remarkable change. Soy has for a long time been relatively cheap, right, compared to uh, sirloin, say. Uh, but the change isn't that it got cheaper. The change was that Americans learned something, and that learning has stuck. Uh, I cooked tofu for dinner this evening. It was excellent. And I put that spicy green chili oil on it and made the whole dish. <laughs> there was a stock I made from mushrooms and bean sprouts something I wouldn't have done 20 years ago. I read it in a Sichuan cookbook. Fantastic dish took me about 17 minutes. I've learned it. I'll know that for the rest of my life, I will be buying those ingredients. Those are, in moderation, very good for me. And they cost almost nothing. That is what is happening with many, many people in the United States. Well, and so I, in, a, in an additional shift on this, so specific, we've been talking a lot today about the Delta region and what's going on with agriculture in there. World Wildlife Foundation has done a study that suggests that as a result of uh, climate issues, as a result of uh, cost of labor, as a, as a result of trying to improve better food for the East Coast, that there, there's a lot of logic of moving production of fruits and vegetables out of, out of California and into the Delta region. And so, you know, we certainly are seeing tech entrepreneurs being levers, so to speak, of California and and seeing some notable ones run out of town and move to Austin or Miami. Uh, and and now the World Wildlife Foundation is is positing that there's a there are a lot of macro uh, reasons to to shift uh, production to Calif- to to the Memphis Delta region uh, because of its production capacity. And so there are, few, there are a whole bunch of things buried in that. Um, one, that shift is sort of a, a flip the switch moment in and of itself. And, and then two, there, for that to happen, a lot of people have got to make some big capital decisions. They got to decide, you know, am I going to build a plant to take tomatoes and make tomato paste? And, and so there are a lot of capital decisions that go on in that. And, and, what needs to be true for, from an economic standpoint, maybe, or, okay, we have maybe this flip the switch moment, you're changing your diet. When is it that the cost benefit analysis goes that someone's ready to write a check that Jeff Ubin is ready to write a billion dollar check to invest in a major production shift to something like the Delta? I mean, what, what's that next signal that might need to come along? I'm very bullish on the Southeast, including the Delta region. If you look during the pandemic, where have unemployment rates been the lowest? For the most part, it has been the Southeast. 
Where have people been moving? It has been the Southeast. Where is better protected from climate change? Depends exactly where you are, but much of the Southeast compared to California. Where is governance better for business? Again, may depend on the business, but typically the Southeast. I'm not saying that only the almonds will be left in California. If there's one part of this country, including for agriculture, I would be, and indeed I am, making my bets on, it is the Southeast. It has come center of America, and that is traumatic for many people in the Northeast or California who view it as, you know, remote or, or, or strange. Uh, it is the population and geographic center of our country, and it is where so many people want to live, and it is where we will want to be growing a lot of crops, and I don't just mean, say, rice. We will be growing many more things in the Southeast and Delta region. And then how do we give more confidence to the capital providers that this is something they should do? I think if you look at the population flows, if you look at the human capital flows, if you look at which universities are on the rise, like the new Moderna vaccine, a lot of the work behind that, it came from Vanderbilt. It didn't come from Harvard. It didn't come from Princeton. It came from Vanderbilt. Uh, People like the sun, if you look at states that are relatively low tax, have not had too many problems, you know, with chaos or governance, have done an okay job, you know, keeping things open. Again, you see so many signs pointing to the Southeast. So I think it's a matter of people seeing that and it has already started to happen. So if we've got uh, changes in consumer preference, I... Uh... In a sense, the economic inputs are aligned, the production inputs are aligned, you're, you're long southeast for food is health? Yes. To be clear, I live on the border of mid-Atlantic and the southeast. So you can <laughs> either view me as biased or putting my money where my mouth is. But I think for most people, it is the highest quality of life they will have in the United States. And... Uh, a lot of people just don't think about living there, but when they go there, they love it. And I think we are still capturing gains from that. And we're in the middle of this flip switch moment with respect to the Southeast. And are we, uh, when will we know we're on the other side of the flip the switch? I think people will be moving into the Southeast for the rest of my lifetime. I will never see the other side. That switch is going to keep on flipping. Plenty of space. There's plenty of good cities that have a lot of room to grow. Way Nashville has exploded over the last 10 to 15 years. So uh, I don't think it's a trend that's going to be over in a few years' time. I'll never see its end. Very good. Well, thanks for your time. I think we're we're wrapping up for the day. It's been we started it at noon. We started in with a conversation about food is health. Uh, we've had a lot of people through the day talk about different elements of the building blocks and both development in the region and improved food and improved health. And we are hosting these conferences to really help, a, you know, expand the network of people's awareness. You know, different ones of us are creating innovation, your observations about how the economy changes. So for everybody who's been with us today, thank you for your time. Uh, you will get emails from us about this afterwards to try to continue the conversation online. I, uh, there's one thing about investing in things. The other is we always say about startups, the one thing every startup needs is a customer. So the, there are opportunities to invest in new technologies, 
there's a, also opportunity to sort of bet long on the opportunity and become a, a home chef with soy. Uh, so again, thanks for everybody's time. Uh, you got anything to wrap us up with, Tyler? Uh, just to thank you all and to Thomas, I will continue with my healthier eating habits, and I hope all the rest of you do too. Very good. Thank you. We hope you enjoyed this afternoon's Food is Health Forum. More importantly, we hope you learned something, and we hope you made valuable connections that can help you with collaborative solutions going forward. Help us keep the conversation going by registering for our bi-weekly Personia Conversations and joining our Slack channel. Both can be found at chrisonia.org. With that, I'd like to thank our sponsors and partners for making this afternoon possible. We will return to Memphis. In the meantime, please remember, food is health.